Hello, welcome to another episode of Not Too Deep. I'm your host, Grace Helbig. Very, very excited to have Lydia Hurst joining us for today's episode. She's a model, she's an actress, she's a horror film enthusiast. An enthusiast isn't even the most enthusiastic word I can use to describe her deep love and appreciation for the horror genre. Hear all about how she got started in modeling, how she made the jump to acting, about her most recent Lifetime movie, Psycho Sister-in-Law, and all of the wild steps it took for her to get into that role. She came from having a major accident on set to having to learn how to use her brain again, get all of her cognitive functions back in working order to be able to play a psycho sister-in-law on a Lifetime movie. I mean, her story is insane. She's also married to Chris Hardwick. We talk about how their love story began and um, the fact that their house is probably haunted. You'll enjoy this episode because I really did. I'm not too deep with Lydia Hurst. <laughs> Lydia, thank you so much for being here. I'm so excited to talk to you because I think you have such an interesting hybrid life career situation going on, and I'm fascinated by it. Uh, my first question, I ask people that I usually have a, a, a lots of different descriptors to their their work. How do you describe what you do, who you are? Like, let's say an alien came down. How would you introduce yourself? Oh gosh. Um, I don't, I don't know. I think there's a lot of preconceived notions as to who I am as a person just based on like stereotypes or Mm -hmm. my name, but realistically, I would say I'm pretty down to earth, more like a country girl who's weird and eccentric and loves horror. Love that. (laughs) Yeah. Cause you're, you're a model, you're uh, an actress, you're uh, really into horror and thriller, <laughs> which usually like model and that don't necessarily go together. Uh, right. Yes. Yeah. I was not exactly the most popular model back in the day around <laughs> all the other models. I don't think any of them really got me at all. So it was pretty much me and my cat for a long time. It's <laughs> great. That's why animals are wonderful. Now, did you always have an affinity to like horror and thriller yeah. genres? Okay. How yeah, did that? I've been how- obsessed with it. Like I, I remember. I think. I saw Army of Darkness for the first time in like kindergarten or first grade and I was obsessed and that's pretty much been it. (laughs) Nice. And now, so you are from, you know, a very notable family. So growing up for you, I'm curious because you were born in Connecticut. Is that right? It was. Yeah, I, I grew up in Connecticut, actually. Okay. And so what was life like? How did you get into modeling? How did like you get into the entertainment world? Um, I mean, for me, growing up seemed normal, I guess. Yeah, um, sure. Like I grew up in a very small town in Connecticut, which mm-hmm. I loved. I went to public school, which was so much fun. Hell yeah. Um, and it seemed really normal. But my mom at the same time, she was working on a lot of John Waters movies. So mm. I did kind of bounce back and forth between Connecticut and Baltimore, visiting the sets of those. And it was just, they were so amazing. Like I remember... Oh. I was in kindergarten when she did Crybaby and like wow. way back then, like Johnny Depp was in the movie and he was dating Winona Ryder at the time. And I'd also just seen Beetlejuice where she played Lydia. So for me, that was like a huge deal. And, yeah. I was so excited. Um, and it just, and the costumes, the sets, the music, it was so cool. I was just enamored by it. And I knew that that was a world that I wanted to be in. 
My parents kept trying to convince me to stay in school and become a lawyer. Didn't work out that way. (laughs) (laughs) A little Um, different of a route. (laughs) Yeah. Like when I was in high school, my parents finally were like, okay, you know, if you want to try to work in fashion and entertainment, we'll take you on a couple meetings to agencies and just see what happens. Yeah. So they finally drove me into the city. And I remember I went to IMG, Elite, and Ford Models. All of them turned me down. Which um, uh, must have been just such a rewarding experience. Yes, it felt awesome. <laughs> yeah. Um, but it was really weird because they were like, well, you have a really cool, interesting face. You look sort of like an alien, but you're really <laughs> short. So... No, because I'm only about five, six. Like, I think it's printed everywhere on all sorts of different heights because the modeling agencies lied a lot. Mm -hmm. Um, But I'm only like five, six, maybe five, six and a half. Um, So I'm not tall. (laughs) Or, well, I'm tall, but not tall for a model. Right. Um, And then I remember the last meeting I was in, I was at Ford Models and they turned me down. (laughs) And then I was leaving the building getting on the elevator and this exquisitely beautiful older woman stepped off the elevator and just sort of eyed me up and down and then gracefully strutted down the hallway. And I was just, you know, I was probably 16 at the time and just kind of hopped on the elevator and was like, well, I guess that's that. And by the time I hit the lobby, the assistant to the head of the agency had run all the way down the stairs and had a contract in hand and was like, (gasps) we'd like to sign you because I guess the woman went in and looked at all the composites on the wall and was like, well, where's, where's that girl that I just saw getting on the elevator? I want her. And so I I still don't know who she was. She was just some sort of fashion (laughs) angel. And (laughs) yeah, she was like a fashion ghost that came in that you never saw again. Some apparition. That's exactly. Yeah. That's like a scene from a movie that all of a sudden well, the assistant comes running with a contract for you as you're walking right. out the door. Well, it sounds like an exciting start, but then even after I signed the contract, it was I mean, it was insane because I would go to castings and you know, mm-hmm. I don't know what people call them now, but back in the day we called them cattle calls. So Yeah, which is just such no, a like, glamorous like, name. <laughs> There'd be like yeah. 200 beautiful girls standing in a line waiting to cycle through a room to like either do a runway show or shoot a campaign. And because I was so petite, um, literally, like I remember there was this French designer who took out a tape measure and measured how tall I was and then like burst out laughing. (gasps) And I was constantly kicked out of auditions and castings and rooms. And I wasn't getting anything. I had no shot to do anything. And then I had this one casting where I went and I was sitting in sort of the lobby area and someone took my portfolio at the time, which was practically like my high school yearbook. Like I didn't have (laughs) any photos. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) And they took these pictures back, which were really sad photos. I never even saw the person I was supposed to meet with. And then I got sent home. So I thought, well, that's it. I guess I can't really do anything. It's it's over, I guess. And A week later, I got a phone call that I needed to take the train into the city like 6 a.m. the next morning, and I had to be in Milk Studios first thing, and that I was shooting Italian Vogue with Stephen Mizell. Oh, my God. And then the next thing I know, a couple months later, the magazine came out, and I was on the cover. And then it was really interesting, though, because all the people who 
laughed me out of casting rooms and turned me down and literally shunned me and pushed me away suddenly were like, oh, I, I get it. <gasps> wow. And it's like, but I'm still the same person I was back then. Now just one person took my photo, which he's a genius and he's a fashion god. But really? <laughs> wow. That's so it. Because how old are you at the time that this is happening? Uh, I was about 16. That's so much for a 16 year old right. to process. It, I'm sure that must have been the craziest experience because it was yeah. very surreal. Well, it's also I I went I'm from New Jersey and I like when I was 18 also tried to dabble a little bit in modeling because I'm I'm tall and it's wild because like you said that industry wants you to be the tallest thing in the universe and then yeah. when you get into the acting world you have to be the it's smallest yeah. yes thing <laughs> ever and it's just such a uh, like contradiction of itself but the so you're doing this, you're 16, you shoot for Italian Vogue, it's a whirlwind. So does the modeling career kind of take off from there? It did. It all okay. took off um, virtually overnight. So I shot that end of November, like right after Thanksgiving um, in 2003. So I guess it was 17 at that time, finally. <laughs> and um, wow. it came out in April 2004. And then the next thing I knew, the morning after it came out, my phone started blowing up and I was on the first flight overseas to do all the runway shows and do everything. Wow. And I was never known as like a showgirl, but okay. I was extremely fortunate because I was so petite, Carl Lagerfeld sort of took me under his wing and he thought it was so funny how small I was that during every show that I did for him he would place me between the two tallest models that he had just because he thought it was really funny <laughs> <laughs> so you become this like object of comedy in a way right. <laughs> in this model world which I mean god bless because I feel like all of that sort of like bizarre weird criticism it's either going to make you or break you, especially for right. a teenager. Like, I'm sure you develop such a <laughs> thick skin in that world. You you have to. I mean, I even remember when I was first rejected from all the agencies, my parents took me to the wall and showed me all those composites of like the most beautiful women I'd ever seen. Mm -hmm. And my mom was very clear where she was like, these are all the girls that they represent. And then to the right of that was like a much smaller wall that had three, maybe four images on it. And mm -hmm. she goes, these are the ones who've made it. There are hundreds of agencies in hundreds of cities across the globe like this. Hmm. And wow. I was like, wow, that's reality. And that is yeah. crazy. But at that moment, I was like, I'm going to make it. Like, mm -hmm. I'm going to do it. And again, somehow the fates were in my favor and I made it. <laughs> That's so cool. I mean, kudos to your mom for giving you a little bit of a reality check to be like, right. I'm going to let you down before you get let down by this industry exactly. a little bit. <laughs> a I little mean, tough love. Also, the modeling world, and I think it's you, you seem like you have a great sense of humor, which I'm sure helps in that world because it can be uh, degrading a little bit of people just yeah. like scrutinizing every inch of your person constantly. Uh, yeah. Were there any particular shoots or auditions that you went on that stood out that were like just so bonkers to you? I mean, I'm sure the stuff that you've experienced in that industry would blow anyone's mind. So uh, <laughs> feel free to pick and choose whatever. <laughs> you know, I don't really know. I never have taken anything too seriously. Like I always kind of try to have fun. Like even that mm -hmm. first photo shoot that I did, like I 
I had no idea how serious it was. Right. Like I was so green and so new to the industry. I'd obviously read Vogue and seen images, but I didn't know what a big deal it was. So as I was getting my hair and makeup done and everyone's sort of like, this is very serious. You need to focus. Like a lot of the shots were just like running and jumping and trying to be serious while like, you know, you're flailing your arms around and I'm just a goofball. So I like one, and also my feet, I'm a size five. And the entire time that I was working in fashion, they were handing me size nine and a half, 10 shoes. So I look like, (laughs) an idiot. I can barely walk in these things. And I'm having to literally do gymnastics in these giant, Uh you know, shoes. And I fell on my butt and just burst out laughing. And that literally, I sort of think that's what sealed the deal for everything in fashion, because then Steven, who was very stoic, suddenly sort of broke that character and started laughing. Mm. And we became friends after that. So it's sort of nice. No, that's great because I feel like you can look at a fashion magazine two ways. You can look at it in a very serious, high art sort of frame of mind, or you right. can look at it and realize like these women are contorting their bodies in the most hilarious ways. Yeah. And we're supposed to say, wow, that's high fashion, which I, I get, right. but it also you have to laugh at some of these things. It's absolutely insane. Yeah, it's ridiculous. It's yeah. absolutely ridiculous. <laughs> now, you've gone from this like high fashion world. And I just saw that you did a quarantine photo shoot recently. I did. Yeah. Yeah. What is that like? I have not yet experienced that. But what's it like having someone on FaceTime shooting like glamorous photos of you? It was it was interesting. Like it was a lot of fun, though, Um, because the photographer was a friend of mine. So he was Mm -hmm. back in New York and then he was FaceTiming with Chris. And so Chris was sort of like, holding the cell phone and I was just wearing my own stuff. I did my own hair and makeup and just sort of splashing around the pool trying to be like, is this sexy? I don't know. Like I, <laughs> like, I don't consider myself sexy. So doing shoots like that, like I always, like you might manage to get one snap that like looks mm-hmm. cool or fashionable, but then the rest I'm usually just like laughing my ass off being like, I don't know what I'm doing. Like this is right. not like, if you want me to run around and scream bloody murder, and act like <laughs> nope, that's one thing, but yeah. yeah. It seems like a lot of guess and checking that it's yeah. like, let's see if this works. Is that? Nope, not that. Okay. We'll yeah. try a different one. But I, I think I find it interesting because, you know, so many people are very quick to write off like the fashion world and to write off the modeling world and see it as right. very just like narcissistic or whatever. But, the, you know, shows like America's Next Top Model, I think, showed the depth of it and like the diligence and the I hard work in a so. way. I mean, those they definitely in their shows, I think, hype it up for the cameras to a degree. I I even, I was a mentor on the face for one season and it was fun and I loved all the girls, but like there's definitely an element where they, they build it up and it's a little bit more extreme than it is in reality. I mean, I, I learned how to sort of pull myself together and do hair and makeup from being on set. And, you know, when I did fashion for years, I had no idea how to dress myself. Like the standard wardrobe used to be you were a blank canvas, you wore jeans and a black tank top and Mm. you did not show up anywhere in anything else. And if you did, you were sent home and that was disgraceful. But now I look at photos Mm. and these young women are going to castings and like couture ensembles. I'm like, what, what is that? I'm still trying to figure out how to put an outfit together. Right. (laughs) Well, it's, I think it's also interesting too, because there's been this sort of like 
Renaissance or something with the Gigi Hadids and the, you know, the Kendall yeah. Jenners where like they want models to have a, a presence, a personality, a brand right. around them. It's not just like a bunch of human hangers walking down a runway show. It feels like right. they're encouraging and rewarding people being themselves a little bit right. more. Um, do you have yeah, any like, like that? I start. Yeah, <laughs> I'm sure. So it must be kind of liberating to like actually be yourself a little bit more. Do it you... is, but it's still it's weird though because when I started, like I did, it, it's fun because I'm always changing my hair and my makeup, and like it's sort of fun because when I change all those things, my face sort of changes too, or it's like different mm-hmm. aspects of it get sort of highlighted where. I kind of look like a totally different person depending on what I'm wearing and how my makeup's done and what my hair is with the color. Mm-hmm. And when I started working, it was like, you didn't, you weren't doing it to promote yourself. You were doing mm-hmm. it because it was like edgy and cool. And it was still sort of the end of like the club kid era. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, you did the photos, but like no one really knew it was you. So it was almost like a fun little secret to be like, Oh my gosh, my billboards in times square. Like, my photos in this shop on like Madison Avenue. How cool is that? But like, yay. Like, so, and now it's all about like, well, what's the name that goes with the image and who's this? Mm. And I think that might be why in acting, that might be why I don't really post that much on Instagram. I'm still kind of wary of the whole social media thing. I do it. Good for you. Good for you. (laughs) I think that's a a healthy apprehension. (laughs) But I think also that's why with acting, I tend to go more towards character roles where half the time or more than half the time, I either don't look at all like me and I get really like gritty and disgusting looking. Yeah. Kind of more fun to take on a different personality than playing like the classic heroine, and yeah, well, that's I'm- what I think is so cool. So, when was there like a conscious decision to get into acting, or was that something that just kind of like a byproduct opportunity of like being in the entertainment world? Um, you know, it was something that I knew I always wanted to do. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, I don't even know how exactly it happened, but I just remember one day I was in my apartment in New York and I woke up and I was like, I, you know, I just sort of had this realization where I was like, I hate New York City. You know, it's a great city to visit, but like I never felt at home there. Yeah. And so unless I was going to and from set, I really never left my apartment. Um, And so one day I just sort of woke up and was like, I don't like it here. I feel like my soul is dying. And I went down this incredible road and I've lived a full life and had a full career, an amazing journey, but this isn't where I want to be. So I literally went online, booked a ticket and packed up my cat in a suitcase and (laughs) came out to LA and never went back. (laughs) Wow. You put your cat in a suitcase? Well, no, I mean, I... (laughs) He was in his carry-on, and then I packed the suitcase and came out Um, to LA. Okay, we're going to take a quick break. When we get back, I want to hear all about the – because you take on these roles that are very gritty, like you said, very um, psychotic, for lack of a better word. Uh, (laughs) It's speaking of the upcoming movie. I want to hear all about it. So we'll be right back with more Not Too Deep. Hello listeners, Grace Helbig here, wanting to say two things. A big thank you for listening to the podcast. 
if you are a regular listener, if this is your first time listening, welcome and thank you. And uh, second thing, if you are enjoying yourself here in this not-too-deep world we've built and you'd like to leave us a review, that would be so wonderful. If you can go to the iTunes store, the App Store, and leave us a lovely little review comment. How are you feeling? Good, bad, otherwise? Maybe just good or otherwise would be appreciated. Other than that, enjoy the podcast. Okay, so... Speaking of psycho roles, Psycho Sister-in-Law is the newest uh, Lifetime movie that you have coming out. I think by the time, uh, oh, it's out already. August 16th, it came out. It came out August 16th. And I guess, thankfully, it did really well. So they're going to do a second showing of it on my birthday, September 19th. So I think they're doing two showings, one at 2 p.m. and then one again at 8. That's so exciting. I have so many questions. First of all, you're presented with being in a Lifetime movie. There's all of this stigma uh, (laughs) for better or worse around Lifetime movies. What's your, how did you approach this? I was really excited. Um, But originally I was supposed to play, there's a character in the beginning of the film that sort of has that classic, you know, Drew Barrymore scream-esque moment that sets Mm -hmm. the tone of the movie. And originally I was supposed to be that character and I was already over the moon and excited about doing that. And then about two days before production, I get a call from the director and he offered me the role of the lead Zara Downs. Whoa. Two days before you start this film. Wow. Okay. And I, I thought I was going to have a nervous breakdown actually, because (laughs) like there were a lot of reasons because I was so over the moon, excited, ecstatic about doing this because I lifetime movies are my guilty pleasure. Yeah. But, and this is going to sound really weird. I was petrified because I didn't know if I'd be able to do it. Mm. What a lot of people don't know is about a year and a half ago, I was in a terrible accident on set. Um, sun scene gone horribly wrong. My, oh, wow. like the prosthetic that I was wearing saved my life. Um, my nose, instead of going into my brain, ricocheted off the prosthetic, exploded. <gasps> my skull fractured and my brain swelled. So wow. I spent about a year living in the dark because I was so badly concussed. <gasps> I couldn't read. I couldn't watch movies. I couldn't play video games. Like I couldn't do anything. And then oh once gosh. I sort of healed from the original breakage, I had to get reconstructive surgery to kind of put myself back together like Humpty Dumpty. So then I had to recover from that. And I was still so badly concussed that I really only just recently fully recovered from that to Mm -hmm. get full like cognitive abilities and feel like myself again. So doing that small part, I was like, yes, I've got it. And then when Mm -hmm. I got the phone call about doing the lead, I literally was like, (gasps) I don't, I don't know if I can like handle it. I don't know if my brain will work. Right. Like, this yeah. is You're like, li- <laughs> literally and metaphorically, I don't know if my brain will work. Yeah. And I was just like, oh my God, like I, I genuinely had no idea. And so I, I get off the phone and I'm like, what do I do? What do I do? And thank goodness, Chris, like happened to be walking by at the time of like me being ecstatic and starting to have a mental breakdown being like, I don't think I can do it. I don't know what to say. Like, I'm so petrified. He was like, you're fine. You can do it. Like, mm-hmm. you've been working so hard and you've been doing the cognitive therapies and your brain is working. Like, I'm telling you, your brain is working. You're fine. <laughs> That's a good partner to reassure you right. that your brain is in fact working. <laughs> but I, I just, I was petrified. So 
I immediately got the script and poor Chris, I made him read through the whole thing with me about 30 times in the 48 oh. hours before the movie started. Wow. <laughs> like, I think he might have known the movie better than I did by the time I got to set. Amazing. Um, and I just, you know, I showed up and it was still one of those things where I was like, oh my God, like, I, I love Lifetime movies. I don't want to mess it up. I have mm-hmm. to do well, but like, it's only 48 hours. What if I forget the lines? It's, I don't know if I fully established the voice of the character. And again, right. this is when I'm so grateful. Chris was like, look, you're not doing a Spielberg film. It's Lifetime. Like, yeah. you love these movies. You know these movies. I sat with you and read the script 30 times. I know yeah. you know the dialogue. Like, you've got this. Just have fun. And Aww. it just sort of allowed me to kind of breathe and go for it and let it go. Um, yeah. Because so you're, I mean, the, the part oh, is no, your part is no easy part. No, like, I was especially in all but five scenes of the that's movie. <laughs> wild. And going from, yeah, getting your cognitive abilities back to now mm-hmm. playing a psycho sister in law is right. a little <laughs> bit of a jump for anyone. Yeah. So what was the filming process like? I mean, to get yourself into that sort of like mental space, were you doing anything in particular? Are we just kind of like letting yourself free fall into it? I sort of I let myself free fall into it a bit. And I had a lot of really fun conversations with the director where, you know, he wanted me to play with it. He wanted me to have fun with it and find out who she was as we were going along, because the character herself, she does. She loves her family. She loves the people that are around her. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, she doesn't love anybody more than she loves herself. Yeah. So always out for that personal gain. And she's a hustler. Mm. But she wants to reconnect with family to a degree. But she's a master manipulator at the same time. Very fun. Very <laughs> juicy. Uh, yeah. <laughs> what's the... I'm so... Because also, like, Lifetime movies, they're guilty pleasure. But I was thinking about this morning that, you know, we've grown up with these stories being so over the top ridiculous but you know (laughs) these days I don't know if they seem as ridiculous as they used to no it's so weird (laughs) yeah what was the response like after the first showing of it um you know I think people really seems to like it but it is it's really funny because there's one thing um there's this funny thing that happens in the movie that I actually do in real life. And it's so dumb where it's like, you hear a noise and the character in those movies are always like, hello. (laughs) And it's like, I, and it's embarrassing. I literally do that almost every day in my house. Like I hear a sound, it could be the dog or it could be Chris walking in and I'm like, hello. (laughs) And he's always like, it's just me, a burglar. Like what Uh. what are you expecting? (laughs) (laughs) Well, okay, to make this transition then, speaking of your house at Herswick Home, this yes. uh you how do you guys describe your style? Because it's it's a lot, it's but it's a thoughtful like the, lot. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, as you can see behind me, there's a lot of a lot it's, of stuff going on. There's even some movie props. Perfect. <laughs> perfect. It feels like there's an endless amount of things to look at. Yes. I mean, I think it'd be really easy to, in a sense, be classified as hoarders, but okay. I prefer <laughs> Okay. Because <laughs> um, <laughs> at least, you know, it's clean, so yeah. it's not a mess everywhere, but we do have a lot of stuff. Um, it's kind of like a Victorian, 
a very eclectic, bizarre mishmash of everything. Okay. A lot of shabby chic, a lot of antiques, but then occasionally like a modern twist here and there. I think it's very fun. It's very playful. Uh, it's is, fun. Do you guys have ghosts? Because looking at the do. design, yeah, it feels like if I were a ghost, I would feel at home in this situation. Have you there, had there any experiences? Been weird moments in this okay. house. Like when we first moved in, doors have opened and closed. Um, for real? For real. Yes. Like literally one time Ooh. we just moved into the house. We were here for about a week and a door slammed in my face and I just I thought it was Chris playing a weird joke that I didn't get yeah and it turns out Chris was like across the house and like in the basement nowhere anywhere near where I was uh-uh. um, and then there was another night like I've, we've heard footsteps and voices but then like oh. no one's there oh that so is first, like, and there was a while that I thought like I was like someone living in the walls or the crawl space so like I have yeah. alarm systems because I was so paranoid because I was hearing the footsteps and the voices I have like all the crawl spaces, all the windows, all the doors, every little nook and cranny has like a surveillance camera and an alarm on it. Oh and my gosh. I mean, there's nothing. So I don't, wow. I don't know wow. how to explain it. We've definitely caught doors on some of the cameras opening. <gasps> he says what? it's, you know, maybe an earthquake. And I'm like, I don't, uh, there was no earthquake. So, and the door yeah. was closed. I don't know that a latch is going to be unlocked and the door is going to be opened. Wow. Wow. I'm getting freaked out just hearing about that. <laughs> but I mean, that it all makes sense because it does feel like it almost feels like you guys have built out your brand to such a degree that right. like even the ho- like the house well, has. Well, he refuses <laughs> to believe there's ghosts. I'm pretty sure of it. And like, I don't know how he still says like, oh, no, it's, you know, this or that. Like, there's always mm-hmm. some not really rational explanation. But I remember sure. there was one time a couple months ago, he was sort of like, oh, you know, there's no ghosts. I don't believe in that. They're not real. And literally something like flew off a shelf and like smashed onto the floor. And he was like. Ooh. Well, that's weird. Oh, I don't like that. Oh, have you guys ever thought about having like ghost hunters come to the place and check it out? I definitely have. But again, he doesn't believe in that stuff. So I don't Mm. know if he'd be as open to it as I am. (laughs) Right, right, right. Well, in line with that, uh, you have a new project that you announced called With Teeth. Yes. Okay, so tell me about this, because you're on this project as both an actor and an executive producer, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. what is this? So this is, it's sort of a new, like, it's a modern retelling of a classic vampire lore, in Ooh. a sense. So it's, you know, they're not Twilight vampires. Um, okay. <laughs> okay, okay. They're very, they're very dark, they're very twisted, and it's a new, it's a new take on how the legacy of vampires began and continues to thrive and survive in a modern era. Whoa, cool. Uh, And this hasn't shot yet. It hasn't. No, I believe we're waiting for the final green light. So if all goes well, we might begin shooting in Albuquerque in October. Cool. I'm very excited about it. (laughs) It feel I mean, this whole like thriller genre, like you said, is your kind of like bread and butter do you, it, does this go in line with like doomsday prepping or like zombie apocalypse <laughs> prepping? Like, is that something that you look into? Um, you know, I do have a lot of prep supplies. Okay. Um, <laughs> I'm not good at like, I'm not good at sort of doing things in moderation. 
uh-huh. I guess. So it's a good thing I don't drink or anything like that because I would just be disaster. <laughs> like I, I just, you know, after everything that happened a few years ago in Puerto Rico with the power outages and the food shortage and the water supply, I really, you know, I really started thinking about how we're in Los Angeles and the fault zones. And I think there's actually a fault zone across the street from our house. Like we're lucky that we're on a big rock, but the hillside across from us is not the most secure area and it does sit on a giant fault. Um, And so sort of assessing that situation, I was like, you know, I just, I feel like it's important to have supplies in case anything were to go wrong. You know, I don't think that it would be as severe. I don't think we'd be cut off from the world or anything, but it is possible that there could be a week or two without electricity or power in the worst case scenario for that big one that everyone says is coming. So I do actually have a room in our house that is dedicated to meal packages, supplies, um, cartons of water and all of this lasts about 75 years. So it's it's been for a while. Um, and then I also have, you know, the camping cook stoves and gas cubes and weatherproof matches, solar powered chargers. And I kind of have a supply closet slash room dedicated to all of that stuff. Oh, that's great. I mean, I think that's it's uh, kids sound crazy to people, but I think that's actually very smart. (laughs) Right. Well, also, I might have gotten way too much, too, because as I was getting things, I was like, okay, well, it's you and me. And then now we have our dog. And uh-huh. then your mom lives nearby. So if something happens, she'd probably make her way over here to stay with us. And then we have a couple right. friends that are around the corner. Yeah. And because they know that I prepare for things, they'll probably be here. So like, then I just, you know, if something goes wrong, I can't handle other people's bullshit. So I'm just going to get enough supplies. <laughs> if we're all here, I don't have to deal with the drama and everybody's yeah. Like. <laughs> oh, I love it. Yeah. That's, that's a good planning that you don't want to do right. people's bullshit. Yeah. Um, well, you uh, you love Halloween, right? I do. I okay. Do. So yeah. what are you doing this year? How are you adjusting? Um. Well, you know, I always have this tradition that I started where I put the tree up October 1st, the Christmas nice. tree. But nice. I decorate it as a Halloween tree. So every year oh. I kind of get new little accessories and decorations and I, I change the layout ever so slightly kind of every year and it keeps getting increasingly larger every year. So <laughs> that's that's kind of become a thing in our household where October 1st, first thing in the morning, tree goes up and then the rest of the day is spent decorating the entire tree and the whole foyer area of the home and it just becomes a Halloween wonderland. Cute. Very cute. <laughs> um, have you talked through Halloween costumes? How far in advance do you work that out? You know, when I was younger, I was really into the costumes, but I mm. think I think after working for so many years in fashion and then all the crazy characters and prosthetics and insanity that I do on set every day. Yeah. By the time Halloween comes around, I, I kind of just want to put on pajamas and hand yep. out candy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I get you. That's very respectable. Yeah, watch scary movies, hang out in pajamas, and like that's that's it. Like Love even it. today, it felt like a big deal to like brush my hair and put on makeup. So oh, same. The fact that I put jeans on is yes, wild to me. I know. I'm usually just in like workout clothes because I'm walking the dog and doing uh-huh. that all day long. So. Well, um, okay. So Zoltar is the dog. Yeah. 
And this dog is newer, right? He's new. Yes, he's eight and a half months old. So we and got he's... him February 22nd. He came to, came to live with us, I guess. <laughs> That's so cute. And what kind of dog is he? He's an otter hound. Oh, yeah. He's massive. He looks. He's he's pretty big. Right now, he's about 95 pounds. So wow. he still has a bit more growing to do. He hasn't, he's not yet hit the puppy puberty stage. Oh. So we'll, we'll see. Because I, I think like he, he's still intact, mm-hmm. as we call it. Like he's got his balls. So I guess like <laughs> as he starts to hit puberty, other dogs that don't have their balls I guess kind of start getting aggressive towards ones that do and I did actually for the first time notice that yesterday when I was walking him around the neighborhood there were a couple dogs that did not that normally were really happy to see him and suddenly they were not not quite friendly (laughs) a little insecurity going around I don't know so yeah I think we're starting to hit the the puppy puberty phase so we'll see how that goes (laughs) what a journey to be on yeah Uh, I I wonder because uh, uh, he has an Instagram account for people that are curious. Yes. <laughs> what are your tips for running a dog's Instagram account, if there are any? I mean, I we do not take it as seriously as I think most people do. <laughs> but <laughs> we tend That's to good. Kind of take. We're constantly taking a lot of silly photos of him anyway. Oh, he's a very photogenic dog. Thank you. (laughs) He looks like such a goof. (laughs) And that he's very goofy, a lot of energy. Um, But then we tend to just kind of make silly otter puns. And that's about it. I mean, we, yeah, we're really not uh, like, we don't take anything like that too seriously. We kind of have fun and make a joke out of it. And who knows, maybe one day when we have kids, we might be way more serious about that. Although sure. probably I wouldn't let them be on Instagram. So. True, true, true. Um, I have a question. How did you, because you and Chris just celebrated four years. Did I see that on your yeah. Instagram? Yeah, Congratulations. Thank you. How did you guys meet? Um, You know, it's sort of interesting and sad how we met for the first time. Um, okay. We <laughs> we met in November 2013, very casually. Mm-hmm. Um, I was back in New York at the time because my father was dying of cancer. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it started as a parotid adenocarcinoma. He had it for years. It metastasized. It stopped. And then in the final stages, it mutated into a leptomeningeal carcinomatoma which is a cancer that exists in the spinal and brain fluid. Um, so I, and I had just finished the face. So I was mainly on the East coast at that time. And I happened to fly back to Los Angeles for a weekend. And one of my best friends was like, Hey, I live next door to this hairdresser. He does, you know, all the hair and makeup on this show. I think you'd really like it. Um, and it'll sort of be like a fun escape for you. Cause also sure. one of the things I'd never done is I'd never been in a studio audience before. So it was sort of on my bucket list of life. Oh, fun. Um, okay. So as I was kind of going through all this process and I'd come home to kind of pack up some more things to move back East for a while. Um, I went to the show that happened to be talking dead. Um, oh, wow. but I didn't, I didn't meet Chris at that time. I sort of it turned out that I knew the, the hairdresser that my friend was friends with because we'd coincidentally done a photo shoot together a few months prior. And he'd okay. also done my hair 
at runway shows like way back in the day. So we sort of reconnected and exchanged numbers and that was that. And then I'm in the audience, I'm watching this show and it was heartbreaking because it was the day after Chris's father had passed away and he still showed up and he made it through the show. And afterwards I was talking to Sean and Chris happened to walk by and it was just a very brief, like, Hey, you know, I'm so sorry you know, I completely understand, you know, wishing you and your family well. Mm -hmm. So nice to meet you. And that was it. Mm -hmm. And we didn't see each other again, didn't talk to each other. I mean, I didn't know him, but about eight months later, I get a text message from Sean, my friend, the hairdresser who worked on the show. And he was like, so, you know, would you have any interest in going on a date with Chris? And I, I didn't really know him. I was like, well, I'm kind of, you know, I was sort of over dating and yeah. over everything. I was like, I don't know. You know, I'm kind of just, it's just me and my cat. Like, I don't, yeah. I don't know. Like, <laughs> I'm just doing I'm ready right to, now. Yeah. I was like, yeah. I'm sort of just resolved myself in that I'm going to be a cat lady. And that's <laughs> yeah. it. So, <laughs> I was like, I've given up on life. Totally. Uh-huh. So I don't know. Like I, you know, I guess, I guess dinner can't hurt. Yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> I guess my cat will handle it. For yeah. A second. <laughs> so then I guess Sean and Sean had not asked Chris yet. Apparently, oh if he really? Was to go out with me. Sean was sort of setting us up behind the scenes, and neither of us knew. Oh, and so that's was fun. Like, and so then I guess Sean went to Chris and was like, "Hey, so you know, I have this friend. I'd really love to set you up. Would you have any interest in going on a date with Lydia?" And he was like, "Well." I mean, seriously, would she even have any interest in like having dinner with me? <laughs> well, yeah, I already asked her. She said yes. <laughs> so that's kind of how our first date happened. And that was oh, probably sweet. in July of 2014. Oh, wow. That we went on our first date. But then our schedules were so hectic and crazy. We had kind of one date a month and mm-hmm. like we kept having to cancel and like I thought he wasn't really interested and he thought I wasn't really interested <laughs> and it, it's so weird how our relationship turned out because like we were both all over the place and super scattered and then we mm-hmm. finally arranged the third date in October which is like worlds away from the first date yeah and it was in New York we both happened to be in New York I was there doing um an indie movie and he was there I think for the comic-con Okay. And we had our third date set. We're ready to go. And I'm all dressed up and I'm about to head out the door. And I got a phone call from Uh Eli Roth. Uh And he was calling to tell me that I booked a show and to pack my bags because in three days I have to move to Charleston (gasps) to, because it's picked up for the full season and we have to go. So I was like jumping up and down, super excited to do the show. And then after the initial excitement, I was like, oh, shit. Like, okay. So then I called Chris because I I just felt guilty going on a date with him. If I knew Mm -hmm. I was moving away to be like, I kind of felt. So I called him. I was like, hey, did you leave your hotel yet? And he was like, (laughs) great. She's canceling again. Like, oh, okay. (laughs) And I was like, no, I don't want to cancel. But I just, you know. I wanted to let you know, like, I, I would love to have dinner with you and I would love to see you. I think you're an amazing human, but I just booked a show. And instead of going back to California in three days, I'm moving straight to Charleston for seven months. Wow. So I just, 
I don't know where you're at in your life and I'd still love to see you, but I just, I wanted to let you know that, you know, this is where I'm at. Like I can have dinner, but then I'm moving away. So I just, I don't know what the future holds really. That is, that's so mature. I can't get over it. I'm like, that's so responsible of you to handle it that way. Well, it's funny because my sister was like, you're such a weirdo. Why did you call him? I was like, because I felt like it was a lie. I really liked him. But I didn't want to like. so (laughs) respectful. I just, I didn't want to have an amazing day and then be like, okay, peace out. Yeah. See ya. You got pranked. I'm out of (laughs) here. So we did, we still went to dinner and it was a wonderful evening. Um, And we just, we sort of, we kept talking and our relationship really grew and it was nice. It was, it almost felt like an old, tiny, old fashioned start of something because we, we had to start talking a lot and that's kind Mm. of how the relationship itself developed. We started talking, you know, first it was every couple of days and then every day. And we really got to know each other over that time frame where I think a lot of people nowadays, they're so obsessed with the technology and they're so obsessed with like the instant gratification and like, wrong. everybody loves making out and sex, but like, you need to make sure you really like somebody if you're going to spend time with them. Yeah. And I think a lot of people are kind of learning that lesson now during the lockdown. Totally, totally. <laughs> the lockdown has really kind of taken the idea of like immediacy off the shelf for everyone. Right. That you have to right. get to know a person. Well, or a lot of people are locked in and realizing, mm-hmm. oh, you're this like right so, yeah, yeah. Like, oh, I I actually I don't, don't like know you, you at like, all <laughs> yeah yeah or like I can't stand being around you where mm-hmm. for us it was nice that we really had to build the friendship and we had to build the bond and we had to get to know each other that's very so sweet. It, was, it was nice and we had that time period to just talk and have that relationship grow and then when we finally reunited in person again we were just that much stronger for it that's very sweet. And then I, it took off from there, I assume. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. How sweet. That's yeah. That is a very like old school, more traditional romance. It it's almost nice. like, yeah. it's like you were away at war and he was writing letters to you or something. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. And it was nice too, because it wasn't just over text. It was, yeah. we actually had phone calls, which oh, was refreshing and really nice where he wasn't big into texting. And I'm, I'm also a terrible texter. So yeah. Is embarrassing. Like if I don't instantly respond, then my ADD probably kicked in and I forgot and I'll never 100%. get back to it. I fully, fully relate to that. Yeah. Oh, that's so sweet. Okay. We're going to take one last break when we get back. Yeah. A couple more questions and then Twitter has some questions for you. So we'll be right back. All right. Okay, Lydia, before we get into some Twitter questions, I'm going to ask you the two questions I ask every single guest that is on the podcast. And the, right. first, the first question is, who, alive or dead, would you most like to throw cold spaghetti at? Oh, cold spaghetti at? Mm-hmm. Um, I, I mean... Is it? Uh, yeah, I feel like there's a lot of people right now that I'd like to throw. A hundred percent. I mean, I normally don't get political, but I mean, I wouldn't mind throwing it at Donald Trump. Yes, <laughs> you are not alone. Don't yeah, worry. Like, <laughs> that is that is the common answer yeah. these days. 
And I I don't deny uh, that urge or impulse. I think it's spot on. Yeah. Um, Okay. The other question I ask every single guest is to tell us your worst pants shitting story or like close call, but you can only use three words or three small phrases or some combination of those. So for instance, mine is college jogging front lawn. Um, okay. Oh, so you mean like literal pants shitting? Yeah. Or any oh. sort of like, any sort of like, <laughs> it's like you get scared and it's like, oh, well, like- <laughs> any sort of like bathroom emergency experience. Oh, okay. Um, I mean, it, I just had to pee really bad, but it was when Chris and I were still dating and it would have been San Francisco. Okay. Pure desperate. Yep. Yep. <laughs> That paints a picture that all of us can relate to, especially when you're dating. That's the worst. Yeah, it, you know, it was so awful. I, I will never forget it. He still sometimes brings it up as a joke. Where <laughs> we like, I I drink a lot of water. Um, like I literally drink over a gallon of water a day. And very jealous. He was on his comedy tour, and I visited to go see some of the shows. We're in San Francisco, and we're like walking the pier and visiting all these like cool little knickknack places and shops Mm -hmm. and there's one sort of like toy museum up there on one of the piers and we also went on some boats and you know if people in san francisco are gonna think i'm terrible because i can't tell you what everything (laughs) is that i went to see but after hours of just walking around and doing all this stuff and i kept trying to be like this is so fun this is so fun and like you're holding it you're holding it you're holding it and then finally like i was on the brink of tears and i was like I think I'm going to pee my pants. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) Yeah. I've been there. I've been there where you think that you have a superpower that you could potentially hold it forever. And like, maybe it'll just like reintroduce itself into your system. Yeah. Yeah. And (laughs) then you're like, I don't have that superpower. And this is so embarrassing because like, I actually, like, it's really close. And I'm like, I'm trying to rest you because it's so bad. (laughs) Yeah. I'm going to do irreversible damage to my urinary (laughs) tract if I don't get to a facility yeah, thankfully i did not be my pants but few few okay um we have a couple of twitter questions for you yeah. here someone to know what is your favorite scary movie no Ooh. pun intended you know that for me is weirdly as a true horror fan the one question that i have the most trouble with because I'm, I'm sure such a horror fanatic and it's the one area that I truly kind of geek out over where I'm like well what genre or subgenre does sure. it fall into is it scientific the naturalistic the spiritual is it comedy or torture porn slasher werewolves vampires paranormal wow. And then what, where is it from? What region is it? Korean? Is it Japanese? Is it Australian? Is it English? Is it Spanish? Is it Colombian? So I, <laughs> I honestly break it down into so many categories in my brain. Where wow. It's like I, don't, it, I would have to look through every single section of that to decipher okay. what it is I enjoy. I mean, I literally watch every single horror movie as it comes out, whether wow. it's well-known and promoted or some obscure indie film anything that pops up on itunes amazon netflix shutter i'm on it it's pretty much all i watch all day every day amazing (laughs) okay how about this is there one uh movie that comes to mind that if they remade it you would die to be cast in 
pun intended. Oh, you know, I'm not typically big on the remakes. I love to see original concepts. Um, Like, you know, if someone, I know that they remade the original Evil Dead and it, it was fun. But like, to me, that series is sort of perfect and shouldn't be touched. And that's mm-hmm. the equivalent of the Princess Bride and horror to me, mm. that whole sort of three set right there. Um, like Evil Dead 1, Evil Dead 2, and Army of Darkness. Uh, I mean, there's so many films that I, I love. I mean, in the new horror, I know Train to Busan is getting remade. Okay. I'm not, I, these are okay. I'm not a horror person, so okay. <laughs> all of these words are a different language to me. But I love hearing how complex this genre is because you know, as someone it from is. the outside, just goes, "Oh, horror!" It all goes to right. It like a lot of people. people think it's about like jump scares and slasher and gore. But to me, I love I love the atmosphere that gets created and films mm. that are effectively creepy and really draw you in, and it's a form of escapism because you know that. It's not real to a degree, but it's so it's just so fascinating and so fun yeah. to me. Well, I, here's yeah, a, I love it. This this kind of goes in line with that. Someone asked, uh, if you could make a horror movie about a reality show, what would you pick? Ooh, um, you know, there has been something that I was working on developing, but I think I think there was a series that was done. Um, by the same person that created Black Mirror years mm-hmm. ago, um, kind of about a reality show and the zombie apocalypse hits. Um, mm. But I sort of thought something like, you know, Love Island and then the <gasps> zombie apocalypse, where it's like, you know, everyone's yeah. on that island and they think they're all good, but then what happens if a zombie gets washed ashore on the beach and then all hell breaks loose? <laughs> um, this is a great premise. Make this movie, please. I think <laughs> right. that's fantastic. <laughs> Uh, okay last question before we wrap things up uh if all toys came to life and became evil how many dolls do you think you could take on and beat up oh i mean i think i i think i could do pretty well um you know i do before my accident a year and a half ago i did do a lot of hand-to-hand combat fighting and machete fighting and special training for firearms Wow. So I, I think I could, I'm a little rusty, but I think I could handle my own. Either that or I'd probably join in on the fun and switch sides and be totally evil. I don't know. Like, <laughs> I, I, I might like, have the evil doll sanctuary. <laughs> right, right, right. You have options. You have options yeah. in this fantasy. Um, Lydia, this has been so fun. Uh, so much fun. Before we wrap up completely, usually when we do the podcast in person, we have um, a personalized fortune cookie that we give to our guests for making time oh. for us. But because we're doing this remotely, we have a digital fortune cookie that I think okay. Melissa, I think Melissa emailed it to you. Oh, this is so funny and actually something that I, I could elaborate on. <laughs> yes, please do. If you'd like to read your fortune out loud for everyone. Yes, that- it says your venture in describing dog parts in wine lingo may be a prosperous, albeit smelly road to stay on. Yes. And that is, um, that's really funny because <laughs> I haven't announced this yet but as you earlier you mentioned the Hurstwick home mm-hmm. and during the lockdown and the quarantine Chris and I have sort of been dabbling in and experimenting with fragrances um oh. and also with bees um so we're sort of considering we, we had an infestation of bees so we oh, got shoot. them 
be saved and removed and taken elsewhere, but we, we have an excessive amount of honey right now. And we're looking into apiaries and possibly getting bees and making her swig honey. Um, but cool. in addition to that, um, I've sort of been torturing him with essential oils and smells and things because when I, when I put that out, I wanted to hear what people had to say because I actually created a candle and I'm waiting for the final product to arrive any day now. Um, the first of many that we're going to launch for the Hershwick Home Collection. Um, cool. And it's called Dog Farts. <laughs> <laughs> um, where can I get this? Uh, we will send you one. Um, Please. It does not smell like dog farts. There's okay, thank God. Disclaimer at the bottom where you light in case of canine flatulence. Oh, I love this idea. That's um, fantastic. So, yeah, I sort of I kept coming at him and throwing the oils in his face and being like, what about this one? What about this one? I like these scents mixed together. And what if I add mahogany or take mahogany away? Can you smell the difference? And so oh. I'm I'm really proud of the final product. Oh my um, gosh, that's such a great idea. Find- the label and I put a lot of effort into it and thankfully he put up with all these like odorous things happening around the yeah. house because Zoltar is a big dog and when he has <laughs> gas it is disgusting he's, it will clear a room he's good it's at what he does it is loud like wow <laughs> that's fantastic yeah. oh I'm so excited I'm glad to hear that like very innovative business is coming out of this bizarre yes. quarantine time. <laughs> yes, I mean, we've stayed creative. So oh, Dog I love Farts it. is the official first candle. And yeah, probably in the next few days, we're kind of waiting for the shipment to arrive of all these candles that we made. <laughs> amazing, amazing, amazing. Lydia, this has been so fun. Uh, for people <laughs> that don't know, can you let them know where to find you and everything that you're up to, including but not limited to dog farts, etc.? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm Lydia Hurst. I'm on Twitter and Instagram at Lydia Hurst. Um, and yeah, I'm, I'm around. I don't post that much, but I always pop up now and again. And yeah, like I said, eventually we're probably launching the Etsy store and linking it into the ID10T page and maybe making a Hurstwick home site. Um, All that's TBD right now. First, we just got to get the candles in. Um, And yeah, I have the Lifetime movie that's going to be premiering on the 19th and a lot of other fun things coming out soon. Awesome. Well, this is so fun. Go check out everything she's up to, you guys. Psycho, sister-in-law included. Uh, And, you know, dog farts is the beginning of really great things. I feel it in my bones. Yes, it is. Thank you again for being here, Lydia. And we'll see you guys next time on another episode of Not Too Deep. Goodbye. Too deep. Too deep. Too deep. Not too deep. With Grace Helbig. Not Too Deep is a production of Grace Helbig Incorporated, producer Melissa D. Montz, edited by Shireen Lani Yunus, post-production sound by Chris Henry, and an extra special thanks to Flula for the theme music. <laughs> <laughs>